Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And on the podcast today, episode 136, I am diving into the dark corner of imposter syndrome. What it is, how it affects us, and how we can overcome it. Uh, my good friend Brian Lee is talking about a new house concert initiative, and he also is sharing a delightful warm up of the week. And did you know the National Association of Teachers of Singing is looking for you? All of this right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello. Hello, thank you, and welcome. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. My name is Nikki Loney, and I am your host, and I am so thankful that you are here. If you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it is February, and it is gold. It's like minus 20 right now here in Canada and uh, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and it's a little chilly uh, outside. I hope you're keeping well. Uh, I hope that you are are uh, staying positive through the cold winter months and, of course, managing um, the pandemic. We are just about, <laughs> just about to come out of a uh, month and a half lockdown. So things are starting to open up. But we are still super cautious and everybody's trying to be safe. And of course, my studio is still online and my studio will have been online since March of last year. So it's almost been a year that I have pivoted my studio and I'm pleased to say that uh, it's been challenging, but my families and my students are doing well and I am thankful I'm so thankful for the technology that allows me to continue to work with them safely. So if you're out there navigating lockdowns and having to teach online, I'm right there with you. Hang in there. You are still providing an incredible service uh, and opportunity for your students. Now, today, oh my goodness, today I have a very interesting topic that I'm diving into and I've done some research on and I have some thoughts and feelings about and of course, in doing research, I discovered things that I did not know and sadly wish I didn't know, but I'll talk about that later. Anyhow, um, I just want to, uh, I just want, before I get started, I want to say that I appreciate that this has been one heck of a year. And if you are feeling that perhaps you are already beat up enough and you don't want to dive into the psychological patterns of uh, self-doubt. I appreciate that. And perhaps this, this isn't the time for you to listen to this podcast. I want to, I just want to put that out there. If you're not ready to tackle this demon and it is a sneaky, unkind demon that affects all of us at, at any, at, at one point in your life or another, uh, imposter syndrome probably has, uh, has affected you. Uh, but I, I also want to offer um, some uh, some resources, some fantastic resources, and some. Uh, I've got links to another podcast with actually a psychologist that talks. Has written a book about curing imposter syndrome and all the strategies. So I've got lots of information. I want to get started. And um, again, if you're not ready to dive into the deep dark corners of imposter syndrome, I appreciate that, and perhaps you will come back when you are ready and find this, this information useful. 
So, woo, there. I just wanted to make sure I, I uh, sent some love and a virtual hug out to those of you who weren't ready for it. So, imposter syndrome, you may be familiar with the term. It's also referred to as uh, imposter phenomenon, and it is a psychological pattern where an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent, internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. That is the Wikipedia definition of it. And... Um, the reason that I wanted to do this podcast is uh, this this topic. Um, it came up in our forum, and I want to I want to thank uh, the teachers that came forward with and sharing their stories, because that actually is one of the therapies is recommended is actually talking to others, because the thing you're going to recognize and realize that you are not alone. In fact. Imposter syndrome strikes the most talented, qualified people on the planet. And uh, it's, not, it's not something that discriminates between gender or career or industry. It is something that can affect all of us. And the other thing that I learned and I never really thought about, but it's not just work-related Imposter syndrome can affect your relationships with friends, with your partners. It can get pretty deep. And so I I wanted to I wanted to share some of that information and I think I'd like to remind everybody and mention to everybody that this information is very helpful because I guarantee that your students that are coming into your studio for your help are also struggling with it. So to have an understanding about what it is and how it affects people, I think can help you be a more effective coach or teacher, and it can help you to create a safer space and a more secure space for your students. Now, uh, just a little bit of background. Uh, The term imposter phenomenon uh, was introduced in 1978. It was actually an article uh, by Dr. Pauline Clance and Dr. Suzanne Imes. And it was called Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women. And what they looked at was their students uh, in academ- academia who were experiencing these fe- these feelings of self doubt, and um, they were re- they were researching um, the prevalence of this internal experience of high achieving women, and it's it was. Um, uh, it was mo- they only did the original studies on women. So it, it, for a while, it was thought that it was something that only happened to women. But uh, uh, Dr. Clance actually went back and she um, updated the statement to say that uh, upon further research, it also affects men. And the number is quite high. Uh, so it's not a female only condition. So I think that's important. Personally, I think men just don't talk about their feelings as much as women do. So they might just keep it to themselves. That is not a 
research thing. That's just my opinion. I'm just going to put that out with that. So I certainly know, I can think of times when I have experienced um, uh, imposter syndrome and where I really felt weighted down by it. And one of my experiences would have been when I went from teaching at a lesson education center to opening my own studio. I definitely remember having these unrealistic thoughts repeatedly and I ruminate about it I ruminated about it for a long time and and that was the well nobody's gonna sign up and come to my studio and I wasn't a new teacher either I had 20 years of private teaching instruction and had released a whole series of books to help people with their private teaching instruction. But I still felt that branching out on my own was going to be a financial ruin. And I remember losing sleep. I remember being up late at night. I remember, you know, being very worked up about nobody, nobody's going to sign up. And of course was completely untrue. And my studio filled up very quickly. And I still to this day have a lovely, uh, community of students and families that are part of my studio. So I remember that feeling. And again, the, the, they, they talk about it being an internal experience and it's an internal experience because it's not actually what is happening. And I think that's helpful to remember. Sometimes our feelings aren't very accurate. They're not the truth. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't honor our feelings, but sometimes if you feel like a fraud, doesn't necessarily mean that you are one. Anyhow, there is uh, a lot of information about imposter syndrome now. And if you follow any entrepreneurial leaders. I'm a huge fan of Marie Forleo. I think she is a fantastic teacher and an amazing cheerleader for women entrepreneurs. And she has shared her beginning stories and talks about her struggles with imposter syndrome, which is so helpful because she's incredibly successful and built an amazing corporation and does a lot of wonderful things. So it was really helpful when, when she was sharing her, her fears and her starting out uh, imposter syndrome and, and how she struggled with it. So um, if you follow any kind of entrepreneurial people, I guarantee that they have stories uh, that they'll share about their journey. Now, there is a imposter syndrome expert. Her name is Dr. Valerie Young, and she has a website called impostersyndrome.com. <laughs> now, I love her tagline. I love it. I thought it was so good. So it's, everyone loses when bright people play small. Isn't that, that is so true. Everyone loses when bright people play small. And uh, Dr. Valerie Young, there is a really good TED Talk on YouTube that you can watch if you're more of a visual person, um, where she talks about imposter syndrome and then uh, offers strategies. Now, she has a wonderful book, and I, I've actually I've been reading the book. I haven't got all the way through it. It was very, very helpful. Uh, it's called The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. And the uh, subtitle is Why Capable People Suffer from Imposter Syndrome and How to Thrive in Spite of It. And what's interesting about this book is that she categorizes 
imposter syndrome into five groups. And this is where I started... I started to feel the feelings in reading some of these categories because I thought, uh-oh, that's me. And I, I thought I, I had a handle on things. And then I, I might have put the book down for a couple of days and had to like reflect on whether I had the feelings and I could actually do this this <laughs> recording because I was like, huh, I didn't realize that. Um, anyhow, So the five groups, I'm going to go through them because again, I think this is helpful. You probably have, uh, well, first of all, I won't see you, but raise your hand when I get to the group that best describes you. But also this is helpful for when you have students that come into your studio. And again, understanding this can be very helpful for us as we navigate um, the needs of our students. So group number one, the perfectionist. Okay. So I have several students in my studio that suffer from perfectionism. They set their, their standards so, so, so high, un, un, unbelievably, unachievably high. And then they have great bouts of sorrow when they don't achieve the unachievable. Um, so, Perfectionism and imposter syndrome often go hand in hand. So by setting the high goals, uh, and then when they fail to reach the goal, they experience the self-doubt. And then they worry about whether or not they're a fraud. And this is the group that can also be labeled as control freaks. If my <laughs> if my assistant is listening to this podcast, she's going to be laughing right now. Um, and because what they do if they f- if they want something done that, right, they have to do that themselves. I don't necessarily do that because I feel like it won't be done right. I just feel sometimes if I do it, it'll just get done faster. So is that the same? I don't know. I'll have to talk to Heidi about that. Anyhow, moving on. So with the perfectionists, um, what's really sad and what's really a struggle is that they their success is never they're never satisfied with their success because they always believe that it could have been done better. And that is, that's such a hard place to be because that's not productive and it's not healthy. And I know you've worked with students like this and you know, I I know you know how difficult it is to work with these students because they are reluctant to celebrate their successes and they just get really down on themselves. And it's so draining for you, the teacher, to try and pull them out of that. Um, And I know that uh, sometimes uh, perfectionists really need professional help um, and therapy from a professional to help them with strategies to work through that. Now, hmm, the second group, the superwoman slash superman. This is where I started to feel the feelings. So um, people who are convinced that they are not qualified and that they are phonies amongst real deal colleagues um, will push themselves really hard to measure up. And this is a cover up 
for their insecurities. And what ends up happening, sadly, is um, the work overload, for obviously burnout. Burnout is a thing. And I'm going to be really bold here. I think a lot of voice teachers burn themselves out because they are afraid that parents won't find value in their offerings. So we, we do private lessons, we offer workshops, we do group classes, we do Marco Polo videos, you know, in our spare time. Like, I know a lot of teachers give far more than they're charging for their services because they have that fear that they're not worth the money they are charging. And if you are feeling and squirming a little bit in your seat, that's okay. Just take a moment to think about it. Um, so the other problem with the, with the superhuman people that are just working so hard um, is that burnout not only affects your physical health, but it affects your mental health and it can really have an impact on your family. So if you find yourself putting in hours and hours of time out of fear, this might be a good check-in point for you. Um, and the other challenge too, right? So the workaholics, um, this, is, this is the tricky, this is the, the nastiness of imposter syndrome. Workaholics are addicted to working, not necessarily the work itself, so just being busy is where they want to be because they feel that that is what is necessary rather than the actual project itself and, and getting the, the, um, the sense of fulfillment from the project. It's literally the hours and hours and hours that they're putting into it. it that is the driving force. I know people like that might have seen her in the mirror <laughs> Um, this was really hard for me to read. I was like, yeah, I've done that. I've worked really, really hard and just kind of didn't know when to stop and then realized that I was working for the wrong reasons. So that was a tough one for me. Anyhow, moving on. Uh, group number three, the natural genius. Ooh, okay. So people who have natural ability... Uh, and have success off the beginning, in the beginning, um, often judge their competent based on speed. I know you have students like this too, where if they can learn a song really fast, they feel like they are doing, they're succeeding. But what happens if it takes... Um, if it takes longer for them to master something or to become competent at something, they feel ashamed. They feel shame. And this is interesting because I've always found that this is when students often leave our studios. You know, they start off, you're, you're having fun, you're playing the singing games, everything's pretty easy, but then they've been with you for a while and now you want to get into some harder repertoire and now you're asking them to sing the, the song over and over again and they don't like that. They want to sing it once or twice and be done with it. And I've, I've had that struggle with a student before. So again, um, Natural geniuses kind of partner again with perfectionists. They set the internal standard for themselves impossibly high. And they don't judge themselves on their expectations, which are unachievable. Um, 
they judge themselves on, you know, whether or not they get it the first try. And when they can't, um, they, they, that's when they start to feel ashamed or, or feel like a fraud or feel like this is too difficult and I don't want to be here anymore. So I know you have some of those in your studio. Um, and that's that they're, it's challenging to work with them as well. Um, so we've got two more groups. We're not done yet, friends. The soloist. Ah, so the soloist is the person who feels that asking for help is a sign that they are not competent. Oh, my son never asks for help. And we, we beg him, please, you know, if you need help, just ask. He, he really wants to do things on his own. And when he can't, he gets so frustrated. So the last group, the expert. Ooh, okay. So the experts measure their competence based on what and how much they know or can do. And unfortunately, they believe they will never know enough and they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. And this is, this is challenging. Now, I, I want to clarify something. So it is, it is true and it is good to want to always learn more and to level up in your learning. That is so important. I call that never-ending professional development. And I, I like to be always learning. However, when this is taken too far, what happens is um, the tendency to constantly be seeking out more information hold on to your chairs, people, is actually a big, nasty form of procrastination. So you feel busy because you're learning all the things, but you're not applying all the things that you're learning or you're not starting new projects because you haven't learned all the things you need to know. Oh, wow. So some, some of the psychologists refer to that as uh, hoarding knowledge. For false comfort. Ouch. So um, that those are the five groups. So what's interesting is imposter syndrome can affect us in different ways and, and causes a different response where some people will procrastinate, others will work themselves to a state of, of of exhaustion. And uh, so I think it's helpful. And again, I know that in going through that list, I know you've either raised your hand and said, yep, that's me. Or you're, you're going through your student list going, yep, I know that. I know that imposter syndrome. I know that person. So um, again, just understanding a, a little bit more about this can be very helpful. Now, there is another wonderful expert that I came across that may offer some strategies to help us overcome. So there was a new book, well, relatively new. It came out in 2019. Dr. Jessamy Hibbard wrote a book called The Imposter Cure, How to Stop Feeling Like a Fraud and Escape the Mind Trap of Imposter Syndrome. And... 
the book is very, again, I, I started it and I've looked through it and I've flagged a few pages and there's definitely some strategies in there that I'm going to be utilizing with some of my, my uh, teenagers that um, are preparing for some pretty big auditions and are feeling pretty beat up. Uh, but she talks about um, overcoming imposter syndrome and, and she offers some strategies and some exercises within the book. Now, there is a lovely uh, podcast interview with Dr. Jessamy Hibbert. It's on the, when I was researching her, um, this, this uh, podcast came up and I was able to listen to it. It's really lovely. So the podcast is um, the Deliciously Ella podcast. So Deliciously Ella is a woman in the UK. She creates healthy foods and a healthy lifestyle. So her podcast is about healthy lifestyles and healthy healthy livings. And it's a huge, very successful podcast. And it's quite lovely. She's a very lovely guest, or sorry, a host. Um, Dr. Jessamy Hibbert is a lovely guest, very well spoken. And if you're looking for, if you're more of an auditory person and you need to hear something, highly recommend it. And all the links to all of these books and to the podcast are all in the show notes if you need more information. So Dr. Jessamy Hibbert in her Imposter Cure book, uh, and again, I'm just, I'm just giving a very simple summary. Um, she, she has basically three simple approaches. First of all, understanding the theory and understanding what imposter syndrome is, goes a long way in overcoming it. And knowing that you have or you are suffering from or that you are affected by imposter syndrome is so important. And I just wanted to share a little kind of aside here. I was talking to my sister and today, uh, well, February 11th is my sister's birthday. So happy birthday, Tracy. My sister uh, and I were talking, I called her up on her birthday and, you know, she's asking what I was doing. And I said, well, I'm researching this podcast. I'm doing a podcast on imposter syndrome. She's like, oh, my. I've been working on my imposter syndrome with my business coach. And I was like, really? And anyhow, so my sister is not in my industry. She is actually a dog behaviorist. Her company, and you should totally check it out if you are a dog owner and you want to have an incredible relationship with your dog and go on really wonderful walks with your dog. Her company is called beyondobedience.ca and she talks about relationships with animals and not training your dog, but actually understanding your dog. She is brilliant. But Tracy was telling me one of the things that she used to do uh, in her business is she used to run these big weekend long workshops, but she didn't feel qualified to hold them with just her providing the information. So she would actually invite other trainers to be part of the event and she would literally kill herself making the arrangements, setting up the website, doing all the marketing. These two trainers would show up, do their thing, hold out their hand, expect to be paid. And my sister would be left exhausted and feeling absolutely 
depressed because she never really got to showcase her amazing skills. She was always overshadowed by these other people, but she was the one that was inviting them to her facility to, to talk about their skills and their offerings. And it was a really interesting conversation. And I want to thank my sister for sharing that because I think, I think we've all experienced that. Maybe we've done uh, a workshop and we've invited a whole bunch of other teachers to do it when maybe we could have just done the whole thing ourselves. Anyhow, um, I wanted to say it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't matter what you do. It's amazing how this can sneak up on you. Anyhow, I'm really proud of my sister. She's working with a great coach. They're working through it. And um, she's now allowing her amazing skills. And my sister is amazing. She is funny. She has won uh, public speaking uh, awards across the country. She's hilarious. And she knows dogs more than anyone I know. So I'm so proud of her. She is uh, working and, and um, building her business and, and trying to, to deal with her imposter syndrome. And I'm proud of you, Tracy. Beyondobedience.ca. Check it out. Really great stuff. It's my podcast. I can promote who I want to. <laughs> All right. Anyhow. Uh, going back to uh, Jessamy's, uh, uh, Dr. Jessamy Hibbard's book. So in the book, she, she says that understanding what the, the theory is and what it is, is the first step. If you know what it is, you have a better chance of getting strategies. The second step is choosing to change. That sounds simple, but it's not. You have to physically and mentally prepare yourself to do things differently. And that's her step three, trying out new strategies and approaches. So I love the way she lays out this book. If you feel like you want to dive into some solutions, if you feel stuck in your business, if you feel stuck and you just really aren't honoring your abilities, I hope you'll check it out. So um, I'm going to put links in the show notes to these books. They, these books are available on Amazon um, and they're available as uh, Kindle uh, download books too. So um, I hope, I hope that um, this was helpful. And I, I appreciate that, uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this has been, this has been one heck of a year. I just realized that uh, uh, it's going to be almost a year soon that I have been online and that no student has stepped into my studio and sung in front of me. And that, that is, that is a heavy weight, but also I know everybody's doing the best that they can. And I'm again, thankful for the opportunities to work online with my students. So if, if imposter syndrome, if you know, if you can relate to some of the things I've talked about today, I really want to send you first a virtual hug and I want you to know that I have been there and I want to tell one last story before we move on to Brian Lee's house concert initiative, which is so interesting. Um, when I first started oh, almost 30 years ago uh, to research the full voice workbooks, I had been teaching for a few years. I knew there wasn't anything for voice students and I started to think about what a curriculum could look like. And when I reached out to 
uh, more advanced teachers and to some academics. The responses that I got weren't very uh, weren't very positive, and in some cases were rather uh, critical and condescending. And it really took the wind out of my sails. So I actually packed up the research that we had started into a box. And I felt like I had no right to create anything. I Who was I to create a curriculum? There must be somebody that has way more qualifications than I do. There's probably somebody working on it right now. And I packed all of the research up into a box and I shoved it into the back of my closet and it stayed there for three years. And I continued to teach and I continued to think, well, somebody's going to create this resource. It's can't, it's, it can't be that difficult. Like there's this missing void and it was, it was, Three, um, three, almost three and a half years, and I finally said, you know what, I'm just going to keep at this. I pulled the, the box out of the closet, and I started to dig through this stuff, and we started the research again. That's one of my biggest regrets, that I allowed a few people and my self-doubt to almost not allow the full voice workbooks to happen. And I know that many of you probably have similar stories, whether it was going for a job interview or going for an audition that you just didn't do it or you avoided those opportunities. So keeping in mind the, uh, the tagline of uh, Dr. Valerie Young's website, everyone loses when bright people play small. I hope that you'll check out some of these resources. I hope that you'll take some time to reflect. I hope that you will see the amazing abilities and the gifts that you have to offer your people, your community, and I hope that you will fight through and be strong and reach out to your friends and keep the conversations going. And if necessary, reach out and get some help. Check the show notes for links and resources. Returning podcast guest Brian Lee returns with a wonderful house concert initiative. Welcome back to the podcast, my good friend and colleague, Brian Lee. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I always love having you on the show. You always have these wonderful, interesting, and innovative programs and projects. So uh, thank you for your time again today. Uh, we're talking about a new project that you're very passionate about. Um, and I'm going to let you tell everybody, but we're talking about Art Song Adventure. Yes. So this this project uh, is born out of a desire to uh, get some house concerts going here where I live in suburban Washington. Uh, I have some friends in Baltimore who are involved with them, which is just up the road from us a little bit. Uh, and they're really exciting. Uh, people love to hear music up close and personal. Mm. And... Uh, art song, meaning songs composed to be sung with a pianist, are a perfect thing to do in homes. Uh, it, it sounds good there. People really can experience it 
vividly in person. So the uh, Art Song Adventure Project has a subtitle on the website, uh, Song Salons in Maryland and Beyond. <laughs> I love and, that. Uh, yeah. So song a song salon just means a house concert that's centered around song. Um, I have a huge interest in art song. Uh, I am a classical singer, but I'm not really an opera guy. Uh, my thing is art song. And especially uh, one niche I love is art song with Spanish lyrics, uh, Latin American repertoire in particular. Um, I recently joined the art song coalition committee uh, with Nats. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're one of my missions for joining that was to bring more Latin American song repertoire to the table because oh, it's largely ignored. So, mm-hmm. so that's sort of part of what I want to do with it. Um, and then the other idea I got for this particular project, after we're done with this pandemic madness, mm-hmm. uh, I want to do the house concerts in person, but I'm also interested in possibly streaming some stuff. Brilliant. And then another use of technology has to do with compensation for the artists. So I have been to a lot of uh, fundraising galas uh, where you can uh, do silent auctions with an app on your phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then recently, several of the artists I follow have been doing concerts online uh, where there's live tipping. Mm. And so the techie part of me thought, oh, you know, technology is really available to all of us now in ways it hasn't been before. So I thought, what if I have an element of this where artists can receive compensation in the moment from the audience? Mm. So what what I've set up here is a, uh, uh, I have another uh, website domain reserved called singerlove.com, which <laughs> which uh, goes to a page on the site, uh, this other art song site, where the artists can put their payment information. So if they want to be paid for the concert, uh, they could post PayPal, Venmo, Square, Zelly. We can have direct links to their accounts where people can uh, give them some money at the around the time of the concert. And that's the other thing. It could be in real time when the audience is inspired in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, or it can be f- for, I'm proposing maybe a week or so after the event too, which we'll is leave the, the uh, links up and send a follow-up email, you know, thanking them for coming. And uh, if you want to support the artists or the art song project, Here's how you can do it. So I want to leave it very grassroots for now. I'm perfectly willing to to uh, be a sponsor of it. I don't want to, at this point, do anything like incorporating or any of that stuff. Sure. I just want to get singers before audiences make these concerts happen mm-hmm. and then see if they can uh, actually maybe earn some money through the uh, the technology available to us that lets people be inspired to give. Well, with all of the with all of the tragedies in our industry and all the the performers that have lost their performance opportunities, what an amazing way to to get them back in front of audiences whether online or hopefully when when everything calms down 
and what a way to re just re-energize our industry just get get that support going and also to educate people yeah i mean art song is so niche what i found when i've gone out and done recitals uh is that everyone who attends finds it fascinating mm. uh you know it, they don't have to be a huge fan of classical music but but it's such a, a niche genre yeah. uh that people don't know about it they don't mm-hmm. they don't know of it and when events happen they aren't necessarily widely marketed unless you're already a famous opera singer or a musical theater star. Um, So I want to see if I can sort of get a little more going at the grassroots level and get an organization that uh, develops a following. There's sort of a precedent for this too, um, especially in Cincinnati. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Cincinnati Song Slam. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they're doing that in a couple different cities now. And it's mm. sort of the same kind of idea of people getting a following mm-hmm. and they bring people and like the top three vote getters all get prizes mm-hmm. and it raises some pretty good dollars. Uh, but it's a way to uh, get a concert going um, that doesn't require a massive uh, institutional buy-in. Right. right. Yeah. No sponsors needed. Right. Yeah. So power to the people. <laughs> well, I love, I love your ingenuity and I love that, uh, uh, we've got passionate people trying to create again, whether it's online temporarily, and then eventually, hopefully we can go back to those face-to-face performances. I, uh, have to say that house concerts, uh, um, uh, my husband uh, did as a fingerstyle guitarist and uh, also playing the mandolin did a lot of uh, really intimate setting concerts back um, kind of in our in our cottage country like up in the up in the Muskokas and it, there was such a beautiful intimate and well-received experience for both the performers and for the audience totally and, yeah. and it's it's missing, you know, and especially now with everybody online, and and I think I think this is exciting. I'm gonna put links to artsongadventure.org, and I want to thank you for sharing your vision and your idea with everyone, and hopefully it inspires other people to support our performers as 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 we need to right now. But thank you for that wonderful information. Well, thank you. It's so great to talk with you about it. Warm-up of the week. Warm-up of the week. What, what? Give us one of your favorite go-to problem-solving, life-changing vocal warm-ups that you use in your studio. Okay. Well, that's a pretty tall order for a warm-up. But <laughs> I find uh, a lot of singers uh, who come in a little under-energized en- and just need to make some sound quickly... Um, this is sort of a hybrid of something uh, I've gotten from some of my teachers, but I like to do this crazy composite sound mm. that is like an NG mm-hmm. and then an O and then an ah. Mm. And I like to start it in the upper middle of the voice. This is just to get them making some noise because sure. they're so under energized. So it goes something, it'll be like 
a five note scale going down, say starting on for a guy, starting on D or C sharp in the upper middle of their range. That'll be a that may have uh, peaked out or something, but it's and then an ah. And that's just to get, that makes the resonances dance around in their head and gets their, gets them used to making big buzzy noises in their head that are going to be part of singing where they might've been vocally closed down up until that point. And so do you get, get really high? And yes, into, yes. Mm. So so I'll take it, I'll go up from there, you know. And they're such indistinct sounds. It's not a word. It's a mutating vowel. Yeah. So there's there's no correctness about it. It's just making sound and making the residents dance all over their head and and getting it back from the room also. I love that. I, I love really freeform warm-ups for some people so that it isn't, oh, my rhythm was bad, my pitch was bad, my vowel yes. was incorrect. With Throw that out the window. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. What a wonderful exercise. And Brian, you're always such a wonderful guest on our podcast. We'll have you back soon. Thank you. Did you know that the National Association of Teachers of Singing is looking for you or perhaps one of your colleagues? As a Nats member, you are invited to submit suggestions for nominees for the national offices that will be filled as of July 2022. Please check the show notes for a direct link to the nomination page on the Nats website. A very special thank you to my guest this week, Brian Lee, not only for his amazing uh, house concert initiative, but for that wonderful warm-up of the week. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and listening to the podcast. And I also want to remind you that if you are working with young singers to please check out our website we share endless wonderful resources and if you haven't already been tortured by the pretty itty bitty kitty unicorn song well you are missing out that's our fun valentine's day freebie and i guarantee it will bring smiles and giggles to your studio as always i am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Made by Canoe Music Productions.